0: Well, good morning. morning. I want you to uh, think with me for a moment. Think with me about your favorite food, your favorite food. Uh, Maybe your favorite food is roast turkey with mashed potatoes and gravy, stuffing, what you might have this week. Maybe that's your favorite food. I'm looking at that thinking I'm ready for Thanksgiving today. Maybe that's your favorite. Maybe your your favorite food is something else. Maybe maybe your favorite is a two-inch filet mignon steak, perfectly seasoned, wrapped in bacon, coming right off a grill. That looks pretty good, doesn't it? Maybe your favorite food is smoked barbecue ribs. I know some of you really like smoke. I mean, you have smokers, and you do some amazing things with it. Maybe this is one of your favorite things. Uh, right there. That looks pretty good, huh? Uh, or maybe just totally different category of things. Maybe, maybe your favorite food would be a piping hot cinnamon roll drizzled with thick sugar glaze. And the truth about you is that you don't want just one of these. You want two, three, etc. Or maybe your favorite is homemade apple pie. Maybe it's ice cream. Or maybe it's both. <laughs> Apple pie with ice cream. Now some of you are thinking, why are you tormenting us like this on the week of Thanksgiving? Well, it's not just because it's Thanksgiving. If you've never thought of it before, and perhaps perhaps you haven't, God could have made our bodies differently than He did. He could have made our bodies to operate on some kind of boring, bland fuel. Okay? He could have made our bodies in such a way that when we get tired, you just scoop down a, a handful of dirt, shove it in your mouth, swallow it, and you're good to go for another three or four hours. And I mean, think about that. I mean, he could have done that, but he didn't. I mean, God went over the top. And he instead made food. I mean, he he filled the world with way more delicious, more colorful, more variety-filled food than he practically needed to. Why do I mention that? Because our lives are filled with ordinary blessings like that. Every one of us. Blessings that we take for granted that we just don't even entertain except in odd moments when something brings them to mind. And this week, you have opportunity, you and I do, with Thanksgiving, just to give God gratitude, or express our appreciation for the many, many ordinary blessings that fill our lives, children that are part of that, family members and so forth. I hope they'll take advantage of that. But there are times when you and I find ourselves not just um, in need of some of these ordinary blessings or just thinking about them, but there are, there are times when we need an extraordinary blessing in our life. Something from God... Uh, that just doesn't fit in the category of normal. Maybe it's because of a sick child. Maybe it's a, a damaged relationship. Maybe it's a life-threatening situation of some kind, something that went wrong in life that you tried to do something about but couldn't, uh, didn't succeed at it, whatever. Uh, every one of us has times in life like that when we need an extraordinary blessing, an extraordinary intervention from God in some way. And this morning, we're going to look in Scripture for how to approach God for some of the, ordinary, or some of the extraordinary blessings that we need in life. My hope is as we work our way through uh, the, the scriptures on this, that you'll listen real close because everybody, everybody has these moments. And uh, God wants us to be able to partner with him and experience the blessing that he's got available for us. If you have your Bibles, open it's Luke 17. Luke chapter 17 in the New Testament. Uh, if you don't have your own Bible, there's Bibles in the shelf and the chair in front of you uh, for most of you. Uh, grab one of those, open it up. I want you to take uh, page 629 uh, in that book, in the Bible, in the chair in front of you. And I want you to follow along. In this particular passage, Jesus had just begun a a journey to Jerusalem. Ultimately, it was the one where he would go there, and and in the end, he he would die. Uh, But this is sort of the beginning, early part of that journey. He was headed there to celebrate Passover. And on his way, here's what happened, according to Luke 17. We're going to start at verse 11. So look at verse 11 with me as we begin. As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. And as he entered a village there, ten lepers stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, Praise God! And he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. And this man was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, Didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And and Jesus said to the man, Stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Now the Bible is giving us here a real-life example of some men who needed God to grant them an extraordinary blessing in the area of their, their health and well-being. That was where they needed God's intervention in their life, and Jesus met their need. If you re, read along in the text with me, you see that. But Jesus didn't respond to their request for help simply because they had a need. That wasn't why he responded. There's a lot of people in Scripture, Jesus came in contact with, had needs. Jesus didn't intervene. He didn't respond because they had a need. He didn't respond just because folks wanted to see a miracle. If you look in the Scripture, often when people were just like looking for, you know, the big show, he kind of withhold, he'd kind of withdraw from that. But that wasn't what was going on here. Jesus granted these ten lepers an extraordinary blessing because of how they approached him. I mean, they approached him in a particular way. And since every one of us is going to need God's extraordinary blessing in our lives sometime, in some way, it just makes sense to me to think, how did they approach Him? And maybe I, maybe we should approach God in a similar manner when we have needs for extraordinary blessing in our lives. So this morning, we're going to talk for the next few minutes about three expectations that God has for every person who comes to Him for some extraordinary blessing. Expectations that... um, We just kind of need to get in line with, learn from, live according to. And that's what we're going to talk about for the next few moments. The first expectation that God has of every person who comes to him for some extraordinary blessing is this. He expects hope. He expects hope. It's necessary. Hope is necessary on the part of the person making the request. In this particular story, Jesus meets a group of ten men with leprosy. Most of you are familiar with leprosy, but but maybe you don't know that much about it. Leprosy during those days was a terrible skin disease that would start with white patches, sometimes lumps on the skin. Usually uh, what what kind of went along with it was numbness. It would set in. It would rob strength from the muscles. It would take away feeling because it attacks the nervous system. Uh, So... Fingers, toes, eventually feet and hands. I mean, you'd lose feeling in these critical components of your body. You'd just feel nothing. And so consequently, you could could burn yourself and not even feel it. You could, could uh, hurt yourself in other ways, break a bone and not even realize it, except for, for uh, the, not the pain, but for the, the, dis, the deformity, the dysfunction that resulted. The disease eventually would progress to the face, which would become horribly disfigured beyond recognition. Hands would eventually stiffen into claws because the muscles would atrophy. Feet would cripple, become useless. And because the disease was contagious, lepers were required by law to keep a significant distance from others. And they were to announce their presence if they were near someone by shouting, in ancient times, unclean, unclean. It was a warning that what I have, you don't want. Stay away from me. What we see in the text is ten medically hopeless men in this condition. No hope for medicine. But they come to Jesus and cry out for help. What we see is hope. Nobody else might be able to help them, but they're turning to Jesus. They're not convinced necessarily that He will, but they have enough hope to ask to cry out to Him. I want you to look at verse 14 because it's an interesting thing here about Jesus and his response to them. In verse 14 of Luke 17, it says, He looked at them. Let's just stop right there. He just looked at them. I, I, when I'm doing home projects and stuff, I go to Lowe's over on State Line. I don't know if, where you go to get stuff for your, when you're doing these kind of projects, but I often go there. And it's not uncommon for me to leave there and I pull up to some of the intersections nearby there and they have these little islands in between the lanes. And most of the time, probably 80% of the time, there's somebody standing in that island near, near that intersection with a sign, a cardboard sign. It says, sometimes it says, We'll work for food. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, I need help. It's, it, people stand there with all kinds of things. Have you ever noticed when you get to that intersection, you like me, that If you don't have any money or it's something that you just kind of feel awkward about and you think, I'm not going to give them any money in this instance, you know, have you ever noticed it's just kind of hard to look them in the eye? You ever notice that? Uh, It happens to me and I suspect it happens to many of us. It's fascinating to me in this text. Jesus sees somebody like that, only worse, and he looks them in the eye. He looks at them. And their hopes were not disappointed when he did. I want to ask you are there areas in your life where you need healing of some sort? There's some area of your life where you need an extraordinary blessing from God, you need his intervention. And maybe you've felt like, I can't ask. I've sinned, I've done something wrong. You just feel like I can't ask. This morning I want to remind you of these ten lepers who had the courage, the hope to ask. Maybe the Holy Spirit is saying to you this morning, why don't you just look my way and ask. Ask, I'll look at you if you'll look at me. That's what he's saying. Maybe you've got some health challenge, a relational complication, maybe some work stress, maybe a financial issue of some sort. Hope. There is reason for hope. There may not be reason for hope on an earthly plane. There's not reason for hope in terms of somebody meeting your need on a physical level, but there's always hope in God because God can do the impossible. Hope is necessary If we're ever going to experience an extraordinary blessing from God. You know, we've talked a little bit here in the last couple of weeks just about some of the the shortfall from an income standpoint on the church uh, level, and even from a leadership standpoint, we've talked about this. You know, you have income that's here. You have expenses, budgets here, and, you know, what do you do? On a human level, if that's your bank account, what do you do? You... You do what you can to bring this up and to bring this down, right? And if there's still a gap, what do you do? Well, you do what you can, and then you begin to pray for wisdom and guidance and God's intervention and so forth, right? This is what you do. Even when the gap can't seem to be closed on a personal level, you end up saying, God, nothing is impossible for you. That's true on a church level. It's true on a human personal level. Hope is necessary. You can hope in God. There's a second expectation, though, when you look uh, from God toward us when it comes to this whole matter of experiencing an extraordinary blessing from Him, and that is that not only is hope necessary, but faith is required. Faith is required. Do you notice when the ten lepers were healed in Luke 17? Do you notice that? Look at verse 14. It says real clearly, the latter part of the verse... He looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priests and say it with me. As they went, say it one more time, as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. What's this talking about? Well, here's the picture. People were supposed to go to the priest in ancient times in Israel after the healing had occurred. You would go to the priest, who functioned in a large extent like a doctor if you had leprosy and you were healed. You'd go to the priest, the priest would validate, yes, you've been healed. Well, before they've been healed, Jesus says, go to the priest. Well, why would he do that? Because the implication was this. If they believed, if they had faith, they would obey him. They would go and do what they could in partnership with God doing what only He could do. Faith was required. Faith is an action-oriented thing. It's true in ancient times for experiencing an extraordinary blessing. It's true in our day. We've got to obey sometimes. And in the obedience, doing what God asks, God shows up. My question for you is, are there any action-oriented steps of faith that God is waiting to take in your life? Maybe you need some extraordinary blessing in your life. Are there any action-oriented steps of faith that you know God's been after you to do this, and you've just been thinking, well, I'll hang back, and if he does this, I'll do that. If he heals me, I'll go to the priest. How would that have worked out? Probably not so well. We might not have been reading the story. Maybe the story would have been different. Maybe one of them would have gone to the priest and the other nine not. It could have gone that way, you know, and one healed and nine not. But Is there any action-oriented thing in your life that God's been saying, I want you to do this, that you've been resisting? Maybe today he's saying, will you just trust me? Will you just do what I ask you to do? Watch me show up in your life. Maybe you need to be baptized. Maybe you need to tithe. Maybe you need to confess something. Maybe you need to attempt to reconcile something, even though you don't know if it'll work. On and on we could go with these things. But James 2.14 says this, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions. Just don't do anything. Faith is an action-oriented thing. You can learn that from these lepers. It obeys, does what it knows to do. There's a third expectation that God has of every person who comes to Him for some extraordinary blessing, and that is that gratitude is appropriate. It's appropriate. In fact, it's deserved, really. How many were healed in Luke 17? Ten. Ten were healed. Luke 17. The Bible says in verse 15, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, Praise God. Praise God. I, I don't think he said praise God one time. If you had the leprosy thing of that day, this is like, Praise God just summarized a plethora of words, paragraphs of praise that he... Uttered to God, Summarize it. Praise God, praise God. And he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him. You just get—I could add the word profusely, and not do harm to the text. Thanking him profusely for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, "Didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Why well, did only one return? Maybe he was busy. Maybe he was distracted. Maybe." We got confused about where they were. Who who knows what? The Bible doesn't specify. But just as gratitude was missing in 9 out of 10 in that day, it's probably missing in 9 out of 10 in our day. And that should not be. It just should not be. And this week, you and I can do something about that. Obviously, we're going to have Thanksgiving this week. And you and I have opportunity this week to express gratitude to God for the many things that he does in our lives, ordinary things like food that you're going to enjoy, all the way to extraordinary things, interventions that he's done in your life in the past that you can set aside a little moment, a few moments yourself, individually and maybe collectively to just reflect on these things. Maybe you need to thank God for his provision of health or safety, or security, or freedom to worship, or something else. Maybe you need to thank parents you know, for sacrifices and blessings that they've brought into your life. Maybe you've got the opportunity, the blessing of parents still alive. You can verbalize some things that in the past you just, it's like you feel, but you just don't ever take the time to put into words. Maybe you don't know how to put it into words because you're afraid you'll be too emotional. Just write it out. Maybe that would be a blessing for the person. Maybe there are coworkers or bosses you need to thank. Maybe there are teachers or friends or clients or maybe there are children you need to thank in certain ways or children need to thank your parents in specific ways. Here's the thing in our day, in a world where everything can always be better. What do you think that does to gratitude? It just kills it. Because you never focus on what's right. All the time we focus on what can be better. There may be 10 things right, but we're focused on the one or the half of one that might be wrong. Because that could be better. We do it in our jobs. We do it in our families. We do it in this nation. We do it every sphere of our lives reflexively. When gratitude is deserved, when it's appropriate toward those in our lives who've blessed us, and certainly toward God, who has blessed our lives with countless ordinary blessings. And many extraordinary ones. If we're going to be people of God, we've got to learn to become more gratitude-filled. We've got to train ourselves to see the glass as half full, instead of half empty, instead of a quarter empty. You know, we've got, we got to see it. You've just got to see the world differently. It's appropriate. And this is a great week to think about that. And it's important because there are going to be times when you and I need an extraordinary blessing from God. And how we approach Him matters. I was thinking about this as we were even worship, worshiping because uh, the Old Testament Psalms talks about I Enter the courts, uh, David writes, I enter your courts with thanksgiving, is what he says in Psalms. And he's he's speaking about prayer and worship and it's just... It's like with Thanksgiving, the, the gates of heaven swing wide open toward God's children. The implication is if you, we had time to unpack all of that, it's like to the extent that we come with self interest, self importance, various other things, the gates of heaven just stay shut. They just stay shut because the kingdom of heaven is not about selfishness, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about us together with God being in a right relationship, and when we come with the gratitude that he is deserving of, and when we have hope and faith present, it's a recipe for a blessing from God. Ordinary blessings and extraordinary ones. If We have the faith to ask and obey. So you need to summon a little hope in your situation today? Do you need to, need to demonstrate a little faith in some area? Maybe you need to express a little gratitude. I guess probably most of us can, can benefit from doing that. If you will, just might throw open the door of heaven to bless your life and mine. As we wrap up this morning, I want to remind all of us of the most extraordinary blessing that God has given us. The single most extraordinary blessing was something that, on the front end, we didn't even ask for. He's given us forgiveness. He's given us the promise, the future of everlasting life that we don't deserve. But that in his mercy and grace, because of the thought of being separated from you and from me, he gave us anyway, gave it to us but you know what's required to experience the blessing that God wants to bring into your life and mine the most extraordinary blessing what's required is hope that in fact he did this for you faith is required that you'll look in scripture and and approach him courageously and in a faith-filled way according to how he asks that you'll confess your own shortcomings that you'll invite him into your life that you'll You'll submit yourself to baptism as the scripture teaches, that you'll you'll pursue a life that's oriented around him and not a life that's oriented around you. This is that you'll die to self. And of course, gratitude is appropriate. Because apart from his sacrifice, you and I would have no hope and no future. we close in prayer in just a few moments if if this morning you need to look heavenward and just say Lord that kind of all makes sense to me today and you just need to humble yourself before him if you will he'll perform an extraordinary blessing in your life, he'll forgive your sins, he'll fill your spirit with his and he'll grant you a new destiny a new life let's all stand together, we're going to wrap up in prayer this morning and I would just encourage you that if you you'd invite Jesus to be first place in your life do that if you've got if you need to be baptized here in the interfusion just come let us know that if you got some other area of need in your life some other area where you need an extraordinary blessing from God uh, we'd be happy to pray with you about that this morning uh, because all of us have those times when we do and um, I just want to pray that you'll have a blessed Thanksgiving week as well as we grow in gratitude together. Let's bow our heads and we'll be dismissed afterwards. Heavenly Father, thank you for every single person here. There's none of us that deserve the kindness that you show us in Scripture. Every one of us comes to you this morning longing for extraordinary blessings in our lives, your extraordinary blessings. There are things that only you can do. Forgive us for thinking that we can make it all happen sometimes. For turning away from you and our hopelessness at times. This morning we look heavenward and we just cry out, God, you are sufficient for all things. There's nothing that's impossible for you. Help us to have the courage and the humble spirit to obey you. Do the things that you've clearly told us to do if your spirit's leading us to do certain things and they're good and godly and grace-filled, help us to do those things, God. God, would you help our lives to overflow with gratitude? Would you help us to die to self and selfish desires that we might appreciate the many, many ordinary and extraordinary blessings that you bring into our lives and our families' lives? Help us to reflect on all this this week. That our holiday might be all that it could be. And that our lives might become all that you dream of them becoming. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your sacrifice. Thank you. Would you fill us, cleanse us afresh. Fill us with life now and eternal life now. And we'll be grateful now and forever. Thanks, Father, for your grace. Thank you for every person here. Go with us now as we head out of this place. We lift this prayer in the name of Jesus. And everybody agreed with me and said, Amen. 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 Bless you all. Happy Thanksgiving.